Happy Memorial Day weekend. Amen? Um, very glad you could be here. And uh, as he said, I am an Army chaplain, so let me translate that for you. This is in the top 5% uh, increased missions giving church, so I'm in good company, and I'll explain why. Um, I, for lack of a better term, am a representative of the Assemblies of God to the United States Army. In other words, I am a missionary sent by the Assemblies of God to represent our faith and take care of soldiers in the United States Army. Your tax dollars at work. Amen. And uh, I also feel I would be uh, I would be in error if I didn't say a couple thank yous uh, to your church. Um, I'm a well, I'm kind of a sneaky dude. Uh, Lord got to hold me, praise the Lord. But uh, I try to sneak into this church, um, you know, because I, I was like one of those. I'm an ordained minister. I, I pastored before. And uh, I was looking for a place where I could find ministry for both me and my, my family. And I tried to sneak in the back. And this is how good your church is, is that uh, immediately there were two other chaplains in your ranks that immediately, you know, called me out. And, uh, and I was pegged from that point. And, but Pastor Mark very graciously has allowed me to what degree I wanted to be involved in here without trying to wrench my arm behind my back about ministry or guilting me. And, and also the freedom just to bring my family here and sit and be ministered to. And that's a testament to his leadership, and that's a testament to your good work. Um, absolutely awesome kids' ministries. Could we just thank your kids' ministers? They do week a day in and day out. Um, it's pretty good when your kids get mad because you're out of town. They get mad because they're going to miss the kids' ministries. You know what I'm saying? So uh, thank you. Um, I uh, also wanted to, uh, just if we could, I know we've honored our, uh, our military members. If you are, if you've ever donned the uniform, maybe you're out and, or you're in the uniform right now, or you're the spouse of someone who has worn this uniform, would you please stand and just let us honor you this morning? Thank you. Amen. 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 From my heart to yours, thank you for your service, and thank you for spouses. Um, they say that that's the toughest job in the Army. From my uh, foxhole, I would say so, because they're keeping things together at home while uh, mom or dad are off taking care of business for the United States Army or, or for the service. Um, this morning, okay, all right, what does the chainsaw have to do with today's sermon? Okay, I had to put it up there. So um, I'm not going to tell you till the end, so stay with me, and we will get to it, all right? Um, this morning's sermon, we're going to talk to you about Luke chapter 5. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. And did you, all right, rock on. <laughs> Always want to be playing the guitar, like, for praise and worship group and go like that. But I, you know, um, but that's awesome. I like the response. Um, did you know that scripture wasn't just written to be read? It was written to be heard. Um, and going back to the ancient church times forward, they would read scripture aloud because, uh, you know, as, as it says in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this morning, I'd like to do something maybe just a little bit different. If you could just stand this morning. We're going to read this together, but we're going to do that by groups because I would like you the opportunity to read it out loud and also the opportunity to hear it being read. Um, so we got three slides. Uh, well, three slides for the scripture. I've got a lot more slides coming, but um, three slides for the scriptures. And I was wondering if we could have all our ladies read the very first slide in unison together. The next slide we'll read together. And the last slide, I would like all those who are fathers to read it out loud. So could I just start you off? Ladies, could we read in unison? Ready? Then Jesus said to them.
Next slide. Let's all read together. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the doors will be opened. And now the fathers. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Uh, year is 1993, and uh, I was getting ready to graduate from college. And uh, it was the night before the last day of our finals, and I was in one of the few classes that uh, part of our final was turning in a paper we had to write as a journalism class and then had a short test. Most everybody had, had finished their papers. And uh, it was on a Sunday night. And so I got home roughly about 10.30, was going to, you know, pull just a little bit of late night and finish up my paper on my old Smith Corona electric typewriter. Those of you who have been born uh, 1989 forward, that will mean nothing to you whatsoever. But back in the day, all those who were born in the 70s, raise your hand. Okay, all right. This will probably be a little more able. We didn't have PCs or laptops. Uh, most of us got through the college in the late 80s and early 90s had to work with something like this. And it was better than a regular typewriter, but it, it ran off typewriter ribbon. Well, anyways, I started to write my paper uh, about three or four pages, and about a page and a half into it, guess what? I ran out of ribbon. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, anybody, anybody who's had one of these as a cheapskate, raise your hand. What do you do when you run out of ribbon in your cheapskate? You rewind it. And I was a struggling, poor college student, so you rewound it. And uh, I rewound it, and, uh, but the only problem was I probably, this is probably about my sixth or seventh time of rewinding it, and I had used all the carbon there was going to come out of this thing. Uh, and back in the day, 93, Walmarts didn't go 24 hours, and this is Sunday night. So I'm racing to try to get to Walmart, uh, which closed at 11, and guess what? I didn't make it. And the college I went to was a Bible college, and they had curfews, and by the time I got there, it was past 12 o'clock, which was the curfew. So I parked my car incognito across the street. Did my, this is why I'm in the Army. I did my little commando thing, sneaking on past security. And I went up to the male dorm rooms. And, uh, you know, I'm desperate, so I just go down line on each window. And people are in bed because they got tests tomorrow. And, you know, I got the, what? I said, I, do you have any typewriter ribbon? Can you imagine? Wham, slam the door. And these guys are preparing to be in ministry, so... You got a typewriter, wham. And I probably did this about 20 minutes till finally I found one dude who was up, uh, actually had another paper right, and he says, no, I don't have Smith Corona ribbon, but I'll sneak around, open the door up, and you can come in and see if you can find somebody to help you out. So I'm scrambling through there. About 40 minutes later, I find someone who doesn't have a Smith Corona typewriter, but he says, I'll be done with my paper in a half hour. Why don't you go get your stuff, come back in and use my paper? So came back, got my paper, finished it out about 3.30 in the morning, cranked it out, and then woke up at dark 30 again to go back and turn that in and, you know, get through my test some way. I learned a lesson that day that if you persist in something, you tend to get what you, what you need or you want. And Jesus is telling this to his disciples. If you back up a few verses before, he was teaching them how to pray, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. And immediately after the Lord's Prayer, he teaches them and tells them this story. And I can imagine this guy 
Uh, I, once I get to sleep, and if I wake up, it's hard for me to get back to bed. So I can imagine the consternation of being woke up in the middle of the night. Now, Pastor Mark, gracious man, um, now if, uh, let me give you this modern translation of what might happen. This is the equivalent of me at 2 o'clock in the morning going up to Pastor Mark's door, knocking on his door, and I'm assuming that I would not be staring down a 12-gauge shotgun with double watt buck, and he would open up and go, what? You know, Joe, you know. What? And him's, and I go, hey, I just got family arrived in Raleigh, and my car won't fit him. Can I borrow your SUV? Now, Pastor Mark's gracious man, um, I would not, do, don't do this to him, okay? I would not do this to him. But I would imagine if I persisted, he would do whatever it took to kind of get me along on my way, because, not because he's necessarily my friend, he's, he's, he's good to me, but because he has something he wants to get back to, and because the persistence is creating an aggravation for him, he's going to do what I can do to expedite him along, or expedite me along. And I find that in the world, we can be very worldly wise in earthly matters. We can be very wise in earthly matters, but we don't apply that same wisdom to spiritual matters. If you need to get something, you do what you've got to do to get it. Now, uh, gentlemen, uh, single gentlemen, would it stand to reason that if there was a very nice single lady that hoping she would go out with you would not really work, that you have to take some action? That, and all the single lady said, pass me out. Okay. <laughs> that you have to do something. If there's something that you want to go to, you have to take some action. Or suppose some of you have a paycheck that comes in on the first and your boss or your employer shorted you out by $500. Where on the, on the next day following at 9 o'clock, where are you going to be? Oh, you better believe you're going to be in your boss's office or on the front door. You're going to take care of my business before anything goes. We can be very worldly wise about pursuing what we need or what we need to take care of business, but we don't apply it to spiritual matters. And Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. I understand the asking part. How about seeking? Did you know that in 1989, there were three men that followed an urban legend in the Kansas City area? There's a, there's a Missouri River that runs through there. There was an urban legend running around that there had been a steamboat that went down near Ben in the river, and then the river rerouted because of a flood, and that that thing had been covered up. And everybody played it off. It's like one of those stories that takes on a life of its own. But they actually believed this thing, and using a very rough uh, uh, metal detector, not, not even high-tech stuff like you know, the people out there, they actually determined that if it was to be, it was in this farmer's field. And the farmer thought, that was, thought this was funny. And the farmer actually gave these three men permission Go away, find it, do what you want. I mean, have at it. And they got them to sign permission that whatever they found, they could keep and retain. Did you know that these three old country boys from Missouri found a 65-plus-foot long steamboat intact, buried 45 feet beneath the soil or the topsoil? They've been growing corn on for better part of 60, 70 years or even, even longer than that. And, and not only dug that up, but made a multimillion-dollar business out. There's a, there's a, a museum in downtown Kansas City called the, dedicated to Steamboat Arabia. Why? Because they dared to seek something that everybody else was willing just to blow off. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will open you. Um, I asked the military before, if you're in the military right now, or you work for the government, raise your hand. Okay. If you've ever had to deal with a government office, raise your hand. Okay. I'm in good company. Have you ever had to dial the number to a government office? Raise your hand. I have learned something being in the military, dealing with the government. If you call that office, they're probably not going to take your call on the first take. Uh, I have called offices that I knew people were in. 
I knew there were soldiers in that office, but they weren't going to take them out. They were going to dump it off thing, and I needed business done. And I've even done it where I've done it three times and left messages on there, and I purposely drove over to the office building and went up to the office, and it was locked, and I knew there were soldiers inside. And I've learned a few things, a few tricks of the trade. And I would even go up there and go, and I would pause. And then I would go, and then I would pause. And I knew, and they were, and I knew they had purposely done silence to wait for me to pass on. And then I would just kind of stand back away and go, no, Colonel, I don't know why they won't open the door for you. And immediately the door opens. Hey, it's, uh, can I help you? Stuff like that. Okay, use that. Put it to work, okay? Ask, seek, knock. We can be very worldly wise about getting what we need, but we don't take that same principle into getting from God what we need. I find, I find it interesting as Christians that the world knows how to play this game of going after what they need and being persistent. But we as Christians sometimes shortchange ourselves and applying that to go after God what we need. Stay with me this morning. This principle of asking, seeking, pursuing is not unique to Christianity, but I think we shortchange ourselves. We pray to a God who delights in us. Jesus contrasted exactly what he was saying with a hyperbole, and he talks to fathers. And he says, if which of you fathers, if, if your son asks you for a fish and you give him a serpent, or if he asks for a uh, red, an egg, you give him a scorpion. And it's, it's obvious, you wouldn't, even a bad father would not do something stupid like that. He wants to give it. Do you see the contrast here? Jesus is already setting up that people in the world understand if you persist and you're going to get resistance and you're going to get objection, but you keep going after it and you tend to get what you need. But he's setting this up and saying that you have a heavenly father that wants to give. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is already inclined to want to give you what you need and what you want. And yet, we still fail to pursue or persist because we think God's going to hold out on us. And Jesus also takes this point. He talks about the Holy Spirit at this point. Now, um, I, I'm going I'm I'm to segue back in this a little bit, but I'm a Pentecostal. And I, I want to say, hi, I'm Bill Allen, recovering Pentecostal. Amen. You know, uh, yeah, I went to, you know, I saw a thief in the night four times and got saved every time. And uh, you went to the camp meeting, revival meetings, and we prayed and stuff like that. And I, I think what we do a disservice to the Holy Spirit is we focus on the outward part, but not what Jesus talked about in John chapter 14. Please don't get me wrong. Please, by all means, pursue the things of God. I'm not saying the, the charismatic demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. I'm, that's not what I'm saying here. But I think we disconnect ourselves from John chapter 14 where Jesus talked about the helper. Or if you have King James, I believe it says comforter. And the word that he uses in Greek is called paraclete, the one who comes alongside to advise or counsel. In other words, suppose you were wrongly tried for a crime you did not commit, okay? You had uh, been accused of murder, and uh, the, the odds are stacked against you. The prosecution has a lot of evidence stacked on you, and you're about to be tried, and it's going down. They're going to convict you. And what if this gentleman showed up for you the day of your trial. Do you think you might have a chance? Johnny Cochran, who got O.J. off, okay? That is a picture of what Jesus is talking about, the paraclete, one who's an expert in advising you, getting you through it. You ever see the, like, remember the Iran-Contra hearings? Those, again, those were born in the 70s. I'm dating myself. 
or you see some of the Senate hearings about some of the commissions, and the general, you know, the gentleman will get up there. He'll be, he'll be sitting there. And uh, they're asking him a question. His arms are folded, and he's about to answer. And what happens is his lawyer next to him goes, and he leans over. And then he says, oh, okay, this is what I need to tell you or what to say to you. That paraclete, that advisor is there to help him say the right things to get him through that moment. And that's a picture of what Jesus is talking about. The Holy Spirit's work is to advise you. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort you and to remind you of the things of what Jesus has said to empower you to do the things that he's called you to. Or let's suppose, anybody ever have a problem person you deal with at work? I, I got them. Okay. Oh, come on. Everybody's got problems. Or at home. Or, you know, or problem family member come the 4th of July. Family goes, oh, I got to deal with them again. Now, so just suppose you had a little implant in your ear and you're, you're, you know it's going down. We're going to meet this person. I have to deal with them one more time again. What if suppose if Dr. Phil had a microphone with a little implant in your ear, could walk you through that? Do you think you might stand a chance of negotiating that ill-fated meeting with that bad person? An advisor, someone who comes alongside to help you, or business people here, or those of you who are trying to negotiate a raise with, with your boss. Just suppose that you're about to get involved in that, and an expert negotiator comes there to advocate on your behalf. Do you think you might get the raise or close the deal? And this, okay, okay, I'm not associating the Holy Spirit with Donald Trump, okay? Don't get me wrong, okay? Maybe I am, but that's okay. Jesus said, I would give you the, I will send the Holy Spirit who will come alongside to advise you, to comfort you, to guide you in the things of the day-to-day life. And I find it's so interesting that we live like functional atheists because we're living without the Holy Spirit's help. In other words, we're trying to do it on our own. G.K. Chesterton, great topologist, Christian defender of the faith in the late 19th century, early 20th century, put it like this. It's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's that Christianity has been tried and found difficult. It's impossible. The Ten Commandments, I can't live them out on my own. In some way, form, or another, I blow them all the time. I cannot live the life that God wants me to live in my own strength. It would be impossible. Have you ever, have you ever considered the, the Christian life is a near impossible venture without God's help? So what does the chainsaw have to do with today's sermon? Okay, I'm from, uh, I'm from Kansas City, and I'm about one or two steps removed from hillbillies out of the Ozarks. Amen? <laughs> Any of my fellow hillbillies out there, okay? All right. We're, 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 kind of the, we're kind of the Midwestern Appalachian hillbillies, okay? And... Um, uh, story goes, a good old boy out of the Ozark Mountains comes down with his double bit axe, kind of beat up and busted up, comes in the local hardware store, and the hardware store salesman, uh, he's about to buy another double bit axe, and he asks him, what's he says, well, you know, I, I cut trees and clear land for a living. He says, you know, you're, you're still in the dark ages. You need to get one of these chainsaws. Why would I want to get a chainsaw? This thing will cut your work down to 1 of the, of, of the effort that you have to do. So, you know, whatever it is you're trying to clear right now, you can do about 20 times the work with this, with this little machinery right here. Sold. Drops his money on the counter, walks out. Three days later, comes back down out of the foothills of the, of the Ozark Mountains, arms all messed up, and he walks in, throws it on the counter, says, I want my money back. And the guy said, what happened? He says, I don't know what you, I don't know where you get off telling me that this thing will cut my work by 1 20th of the effort, but I, this just does not work. I, I can only cut down about one half of the trees. I mean, throwing myself out and finally throwing my shoulder off. 
and I want my money back. He says, well, what's wrong? The guy, the salesman picks it up, and he starts talking. And the old boy from the Ozark Mountains goes, what's that sound? you've been living your Christian life like a chainsaw doing it in your own strength. I, I said I'm a recovering Pentecostal and I, I remember we used to have those revival meetings and they bring in a you know, relatively good speaker, evangelist, you know, come in there and uh, I remember uh, a Sunday night and they, they kind of went a little bit later than usual. And I was seven years old and uh, I grew up in a church and uh, I, I thought I'd seen just about everything and uh, uh, so they were going to have a prayer line, and our aisle went down the center. And, uh, and so the, the gentleman was praying for whatever needs you had and, you know, praying for healing and people receive the Holy Spirit. And I remember Daisy Marcellus, one of the elderly ladies of our church, was right in front of me. And uh, I got in line because I was just curious. I didn't know, you know, it's a way to get away from mom and dad. So uh, I'm sure they were happy about that. But seven-year-old, I'm in the line. And uh, the evangelist, you know, laid his hands, you know, on, on Daisy. And it was not like, you know, seeing the last... 10 or 15 years where they, you know, kind of push him over kind of thing. And uh, he barely touched your head. And I mean, I'm right behind her. And I mean, she fell flat on the floor. I'm not, there were no catchers, nothing. I mean, it was thud. Wham! I mean, like that. And, uh, you know, and I backed out of the way and I looked up and then the evangelist looked at me and says, son, what do you want? And I said, I'm fine. I'm good. And I think the Holy Spirit, we sometimes relate with the Holy Spirit as in the, the, the weird, freaky, outward, demonstrative kind of stuff. But we forget the Holy Spirit, when he wants to give you the Holy Spirit, he wants to empower you with the day-to-day stuff of life. How many, you know, I pray for people's success in business. You know why? Not because God's focused on success. He's focused on faithfulness. Why? Because the dummies get promoted and we end up working for them. I need some Holy Spirit. I need Holy Spirit in, my, in the institution I work. I need Holy Spirit-empowered officers and NCOs. Why? Because they make a difference in the lives of those who work for them. I've worked for people who have not sought God, and I've worked for people who sought God. And I'm telling you, there's a big difference. Because they're humbling themselves before the Lord and asking for wisdom on how to do things with their businesses or in the business that they work in to affect not just their own good but others' good. We need Holy Spirit-empowered marriages. Amen. Okay, I'll, just, I'll go there. We need Holy Spirit-empowered sex lives in our marriages. Amen? Amen. You, know, you know, we got something to shout about, okay? Why, is it, why would the world want to come in here with the same knuckle-headed stuff that they're dealing with, and they're all you know, bitter and mad about their marriages and upset, and we don't have something to offer? Why? Because maybe we're not asking the Holy Spirit to empower our marriages. Getting along, fathering, parenting, being a mother. I pray for that. Why not seek the counselor, the advocate, someone to come along? That teenager that hasn't got it yet, Lord, you got to talk to him. God wants to empower you. Or maybe you have a dream that you want to pursue. Maybe go back to school, get something different than what you did because God's leading you to do something. Or, or, Leave your known profession success at and go pastor a church to do something that's never been done before. Pastor, I love your vision. I love your faith because you need God in that. We need lives like that empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to close with this. Um, My little girl, Vivian, is quite persistent. 
And in 2003, when I came back from Iraq, I was restationed at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And uh, 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 as we were getting settled in, um, I, we got a house, some, we rented a house nearby, and I just went out in the yard. Part of it was therapy for me coming back from the war, but um, I went out and cleared limbs. And I knew what I was, I can look back and knew what I was doing. I was like creating clear fields of fire. No one's getting to my home without me knowing. And I spent the better part of six hours clearing out brush and, uh, uh, and limbs and stuff like that, cutting that up. And I was tired, and I probably got in to get my lunch. Started at 7, got into my lunch somewhere about 2, 2.30. Hauled the stuff out there, got stacked, and I went in. My, my wife very graciously had, had made lunch for me. Finally got, uh, got able to sit down and eat. And right as I get that first you know, spoonful of soup in me and that sandwich, uh, my little girl, uh, just uh, two plus years, a little two and a half years, comes up to me and goes, I want some chocolate cake. Now, you ever try to reason with a two-year-old? when they want something? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All the mothers of preschoolers know what I'm talking about. I, you know, I tried to, well, honey, let, let, daddy, let, you know, let daddy finish his lunch first, and then I'll get you some chocolate cake. But daddy, I want chocolate cake. I said, okay, all right, well, honey, let me, let me talk. Well, go ask your mother, okay? <laughs> but daddy, I want chocolate cake. And she would not let it go, and I realized where this was going. I can either deal with the chocolate cake, you know, tantrum or I can so I in my mind as a father I'm thinking well she's at her lunch she ate she ate, she ate a good lunch a healthy lunch and a slice of chocolate cake's not going to kill her or ruin wreck her wreck her uh, uh, her health or anything like that so okay all right so I got her slice of chocolate cake put it on her little plate on her little toy desk or toy uh, table where the kid uh, where she sat and had her her lunch and as I'm going away she takes her hand doesn't even use the fork takes her hand does it huddle you know Smear chocolate over her face, and she's just, thank you, Daddy, so much. <laughs> okay, have a moment, have, have three, four slices. Sorry. It was my delight as a father to bless her with something that makes her happy, to give her something that gives her joy. And it was my responsibility as a father to make sure she doesn't have something that's bad for her. Is it that we approach God thinking he's bad? I think the fundamental theological issue of our times is you either believe not whether you believe God is or not. Do you believe God is good or do you believe God is bad? Do you believe he's a giver of good gifts or does he hold out on you? I think the whole purpose of this passage is to say, seek, pursue, ask, knock, as if, as if you would do in the world to get something. But with the, with the intrinsic belief and faith and trust in a loving God that he not only can and will, he wants to. What do you want God to do for you today? What is it that you need the Holy Spirit, the paraclete's advice on today? He wants to give it to you. The book of James, one of the most practical books of the Bible, says if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he gives generously without finding fault. In other words, you've blown something in your life. Okay, anybody ever blown something in their life? He stands wanting to give you the wisdom to deal with that, the, the, the advocate to give his mind on that bless you with that. What is it that you want from God today? It doesn't have to be a crisis. You could be in a good place in your life, but you're saying, God, I invite your wisdom into what's going on to do more than I could do in my own strength. What would you want him to do for you? you just stand, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to invite Pastor Martin just a moment to come. What dare you to ask God in your life that you never asked him before to do? To empower you, to give you something good in your life. Let's pray. God, uh, I thank you for God's people. They wouldn't be here if they didn't care about the things of God. 
if their hearts were not attuned to your will. So, Lord, in the next few moments, as we open up these, this prayer area and we just say, God, your people, they come to you as your children saying, God, give, give me some bread of life. Give me, give me the wisdom of your paraclete, of your Holy Spirit, that I can do what I can't do in my own strength. I ask that you would even now begin flooding their, their beings with your wisdom, with your goodness, and with what they need to serve you and live an abundant and productive and overflowing life of your Holy Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name.